Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Rosanna Arquette, and welcome to Radical Musings. A couple weeks ago, I was able to talk to my friend Amy Ziering, the documentary filmmaker of the new documentary, Alan vs. Pharaoh. We weren't able to discuss this because it's been high, top-secret stuff, and no, nothing could have gotten out before um, people had to be really quiet about this. Um, but it's still a great interview, and she will be coming back to discuss this documentary now that the secret is out and it's coming out. I'm so proud of her and I'm so looking forward to talking to her again about this. But this is also an amazing interview with Amy Ziering. Thank you so much. The reason I'm doing this is because uh, I want to talk to interesting people. You're one of those interesting people and... Uh, we all went to Sundance to support this uh, on the year. record was on the record, yeah. which is your newest documentary. And it was, uh, it's really, really gets me. I, I, I love the interviews that you did with and following Drew Dixon and, and um, these very brave women talking about Russell Simmons and their experience. So can you talk to me about that film? I can, sweetie. But first, can I say that, like, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being such a champion and silence breaker yourself long before it was trending or fashionable or, um, you know, your courage is amazing and um, your leadership is inspiring. And just, I can't thank you enough. And for anyone listening, like, I don't know Rosanna. Like, she just swooped in. You swooped into Jill Goldman's living room and watched Invisible War. This is how we met. And, um, and then you were just all in like, and that's pretty incredible. I mean, you know, and, and really we're all in, like I could call you for things and you would do favors and you'd show up and you walk the walk and it wasn't, there was nothing in it for you except your incredible integrity and passion and commitment. You just Mm. completely blow me away. And you've been there for these women and this issue and these films every day ever since and long before I was in your life. So I hope you breathe in and take that in and really know Thank that you. about yourself. You that know? means a lot to me. I, I have to say it really means a lot to me for you to say that. I it's a it's such it's such a a mission in my life to and I know it is yours because you're exposing these bad people that do these things and men get away with abuse of power. It's the abuse of power and we're and uh you've been documenting it in such a great way. Uh, on the record we went to Sundance and it was the opening of this film. It ended up having the most incredible reception. Yeah. And um, and it's a very, very important documentary and the women are so brave. But will you please explain to me, for people who haven't seen the documentary, what this documentary is? Yes, I'm happy to. And then I do want to get back to you and what happened to that interview I did with you because that's important and how moved I was by that interview and how shocked I was by the revelations you made in it. So. I want to talk about that. It's good to have that you have that footage because eventually it might be interesting. Yeah. And so, um, so on the record tells the story of uh, 
misogyny, sexism, and racism in the music industry. And um, it really is an important film for people to see. It's where the Me Too movement meets Black Lives Matter, is what we like to say. This was pre, but we made it pre Black Lives Matter, not knowing that the universe would open up and finally our country, you know, at least white people would have be able to focus and pay attention to racial issues in a way we never have before in our country's history from the perspective of the oppressed. So um, our film follows the journey of a woman who in in the wake of me too thinks, you know what, this movement's great, but it's not for me because I'm black and I'm really glad these women are speaking out, but I still don't feel safe for all these reasons, you know, um, <laughs> it's still not a culture which could receive my story. And so I met her the same time I did the interview with you. Actually, we were doing a host of interviews about with women from all different industries. And she was a rising star in the music business, like exceptional, like a product. She has the best ears. She's incredible. Yeah. Like for listeners, she like, she knew Kanye was big when Kanye wasn't Kanye. She exactly. also knew John Legend and she tried to champion their careers and, and got shut down. So anyways, yeah, she's like a savant and brilliant and just was this bright spark and bright light and got harassed and abused and ended up sort of self-exiling, which is what we see with so many women, um, you know, um, with no place to go and no place to report and couldn't handle having that be part of her job description um, was having to put up with this kind of harassment. So she ended up leaving the business and then in the wake of me too, sort of had this reawakening. I thought, you know what, should I come forward? Maybe, maybe now, I don't know, maybe I have a responsibility and um, our film follows her during that journey. And that's, what's different about it. Like we get someone before they came out and decided to go public grappling with that decision and then dealing with the aftermath of it. And, I really hope people see it because Drew is remarkable. And we also have these incredible women who are brilliant, whose voices haven't been heard enough in our culture, like Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, who maybe people know she coined the term intersectionality, which is now how a lot of us understand it through the prism, which we understand all different sorts of oppressions that it's not just poverty, but it's poverty compounded with racism, compounded with sexism, how all these different forces that marginalized people experience aren't don't happen in silos, but are interconnected. So Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw's intervention was to give us that word intersectionality. She's in the film brilliantly talking about how sexual assault is multifaceted and completely unique for women of color. We have Dr. Joan Morgan, who's like the queen of hip hop analysis, um, brilliant academician and um, wrote amazing books that are the feminist hip hop sort of Bibles and she's in the film, and Shanita Hubbard, who's a fast, fantastic journalist, Kierna Mayo, who was a journalist back at the source in the day, covering the whole hip-hop scene, and sort of it's, 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 it's 90s music seen through the prism and voice of Black women and what their experiences were, and it's, ex- it's exceptional moving, and what I promise anyone who sees it, they will not be the same when they come out. I That's mean, how I felt. Four standing ovations at Sundance and people in tears. And Did Tarana see it? Yeah, and Tarana Burke is in it. I should have said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tarana is amazing, and, and yeah, and she saw it. And there was a lot. I I know that um, it was whatever the controversy was. It was it was so intense because Russell Simmons was like a Harvey Weinstein in his in that he was a very, the most powerful guy in the music business, especially in the hip hop world for sure. And a lot of people love him. I don't know if people just just got afraid. 
I mean, I don't know, to stand up. I mean, I know well, for, for me with Harvey Weinstein, like he, you know, we, he is in jail, but there are still so much ramification in my life still. I just even had lost a job from the top because someone nixed me. But that breaks my heart. It makes it's, me so it's, angry. it's, it's really, it is, it, there is a blacklist. There's a list and they do do it because, you know, people feel sorry for Harvey Weinstein. They feel sorry for Russell Simmons. They, they feel sorry. Right. But what we all didn't know and what you yourself didn't know, what you told me in this interview, you had intimations, but you were like the crazy woman saying, I think there was a blacklist, but you had no proof. Yeah, and that no. me too. you and Mira Sorvino, who yeah. I also interviewed. How earth shattering to go, oh, my God, it wasn't me. You were at the apex. I didn't also tell you this backstory, which is why I want to interview you. You were like, I'm not a I don't. I don't know why. I'm not like big into celebrity. I'm just not yeah, from LA. I, so everyone's a celebrity. So I don't really okay, care. Great. But you actually and Madonna were like up there for me, like way up mm-hmm. there. Like I actually followed your careers. I actually like loved and adored you. Desperately Seeking Susan is the only movie other than Henry V with Kenneth Branagh that I sat in twice. Like I finished huh. and I didn't leave the theater because I loved it so much. So um, do you know, can I just, before yeah. you say that, I'm going to say it was, that movie was before it's time in that it was written by a woman, directed by a woman, produced by women, about women. It was like, oh, it was wow. very groundbreaking at the time wow. and people didn't, don't really know that. And it was a, a studio exec, Barbara Boyle, who brought, who actually shepherded that and brought it to, you know, Mike Metavoy said, let's make this movie. I didn't know that. Yeah. And you were luminous in that. Luminous and brilliant. And then I went and saw Desperado. What was that thing? Silverado. Oh, Silverado. Silverado. Silverado because of you. Yeah. Like, I didn't oh. give a shit about Kevin Costner, but I was in love with you. So went and saw that. And like, and then you vanished. Like, I explained this to my children. And like, you vanished. And I was like, oh, I don't know what. No, you- I mean, I worked, but I, it was like, it was, I, I worked and I worked, I worked in Europe. You know, I did a lot of stuff in, I did. Right, but it, it wasn't the same but level. It- you were like a list, like you were Julia Roberts. I mean, you were it for those that don't know and are listening. You were fucking it. And, and then, then I had, and then I had an incident and, a, and a, uh, you know, with a meeting that I was supposed to have a movie that I was, that Harvey Weinstein wanted me to do. And, and then my whole, my whole life changed like a lot of people, but people, you can't prove it, but it, it there was a whisper campaign. Yeah, you didn't know about, which I didn't know about. I just didn't know. I never put the pieces together. So what people would do would be like, you'd be at a dinner and you're having dinner and let's say Harvey's there and you're having this dinner. And so yeah, and I want to do this movie. And he goes, yeah, I'd love it. He goes, I, I really would love to cast Rosanna. Well, no, no, don't work with, she's really bad. That's what he would do with everybody. He would like put a spin or a bad rap. And then people would think, oh, she's difficult. Oh, she's this. Or like, then okay, well, uh, no, that's not how things went down. That's what we heard over and over again. I mean, he was, he would insinuate that you were difficult and that was enough, or he would actively block it. I mean, he would call yeah. places and say, you know. Well, he was, you saw the power that he had if you, if you did, did you, you know, I know you were there when I had Ronan's book party, um, but also his uh, the way he he intimidated people, like big executives that if you hire her or you know get, don't listen to them, he he had the power to shut things down. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. But none of us knew that. You didn't know that. Mira didn't know that. I mean, you have. And well, we knew he think, had the power who, to shut things down, but not. But as, who would think he'd be that crazy to be? punitive and abusive beyond. for saying no 
All you did was turn them down. You didn't go public. You didn't. Nothing, right? No. And yet he followed these women to their graves. I mean, he, he, he was so... He tried to get us to our graves. I mean... Yeah, it's just sick. And that he could do that. And that you, who I loved and adored, who has so much depth on screen. I mean, oh, it just so broke, breaks my heart, broke my heart, made me so angry. I uh, just had a big job. Like, it was a great job. It was like something that was kind of, could have, you know, turned the tied in a nice time in my life where it had been great, you know, and somebody at the top got rid of me. It was like, everybody wanted me. It was done. Like it was happening. And they said, no. So it's still happening. And that happened last week. You know, I didn't, at first I was like, I and then I, I, in that. I mean, you and I didn't back in it. Like Winona, like you should, I mean, I don't understand that. There's so well, much- there it, he, there's just, there's still people that really, really protect. It's, they're afraid. They're afraid of the voice, afraid of the truth. There's other things that, you know, we're all on this mission to expose bad people who do bad things and are in power. In the in the United States of America, uh, since uh, the Me Too movement came out and in the world, you're seeing the men so viciously fighting this where, you know, we, we sat through the Kavanaugh hearings and there it was in front of us like, oh, my God, these... They will, now they want to take away our rights for abortion. Like they are so insanely angry. This they want to kill this movement, and they're doing everything they can to. And well, we, power power sees equality as oppression, right? But I mean, if yeah. we, if we rise, they feel like they fall, so they have to fight tooth and nail, and they also have to have a, a straw dog. Like you know, misogyny's a convenient way of keeping people from looking at you know the corporate you know greed. We're both white privileged women. And um, one of the things that happened for me in all of this was that it was really important to me that I always honored and respected the fact that if you really think about every powerful, important movement in America actually was started by black women, including the women's movement, Flo Kennedy, I mean, including in it's always been that's why we have won this presidency it's like our i think it's so important for me in all of this was that to recognize that the work that Toronto Burke her me too movement which she had been doing for years in her basement working with women and you know and helping them heal from their trauma by telling their stories and their truth and that it just happened that her phrase you know caught on fire worldwide, but that it was very, very, very important to step back, even though I had my own story and actually make it about elevating that movement. Um, Mm -hmm. It was always really important to me to the point where like, I've even kind of stepped back recently, you know, Weinstein, I'm the silence breaker and all that, you know, all that stuff, which I'm a part of and I'm proud of, but I also um, feel like, there's more stories to be told. And so like I told my story and now it's like helping other people to tell their stories and feel safe enough to feel that their story is important and to help them through telling their truth. That's, that's, I think what you're doing with your, with your filmmaking. And, um, and, and this, this documentary really, I think is so important. And, um, there was resistance to it in the beginning. I don't know if that's okay to talk about. And kudos to you for using your privilege responsibly. 
I mean, and the other thing I want to say is it's never about you. That's the other thing that, you know, I really, it's, it isn't, you're the real deal. I mean, it's not, you know, you're always there showing up for other people, other causes, other voices, and never privileging or profiling yourself as the center, which is remarkable, especially for people in that, in, in the entertainment yeah. industry. So, um, you um, know, that's just very beautiful about you, but, um, uh, okay. So yeah. So on the record, amplifying these voices or what's so important or unique we were talking about earlier is that what the film really unpacks in a way that I don't think any film has had the time or space to do or the interest because of our culture's racism um, to, to, to take a focus at, but it's talking about the ways in which, yes, it's hard for survivors to come forward. Everybody understands that, right? Because of rampant misogyny, we don't believe women, you know, as we saw in your case and the case of so many women, you know, that it's always to first sort of, you know, uh, deny and deflect when someone comes forward. But with Black women, they face additional burdens that really we don't really even understand. A, because, as you said, it's rape is built into the DNA of Black women. I mean, it's the legacy of four centuries of white, racist, patriarchal oppression, right? Women, black women came to this country as chattel, as property to which owners could do whatever they wanted. The women having no recourse to any system of justice. That's radically different. That trauma is in the DNA. Do you think we carry that? Because you're a Jewish woman. My mother, my family's Jewish. Do you think we carry that? And I have family that actually were killed in the Holocaust. And do you feel like we have that in our DNA in that way too? Trauma? You were Jewish? Yeah, my mother was a Jew. And you're from my, really? my mother my mother was Jewish. Her cat means French. Yeah, and- but my mom, because my mother was Jewish. So my mother was was like uh they were serious, like they were born she was full on Jew. Then both my parents became you know, they were hippies and they lived in this commune and then they decided that they wanted to become Muslims. So they became Muslim together. And then my mom, when she was dying of cancer, said, I'm a Jew and I want to be buried as a Jew. And she's buried at um, Mount Sinai. <laughs> oh, my God. But what's the Holocaust connection? The Holocaust mom- is that my grandparents, my grandmother, uh, I, my grandfather was from Russia. My grandmother, Russian Jew. My grandmother was Polish Jew. And her family, a lot of her family was wiped out in Auschwitz. Oh, my God. So I oh. went there. I did a movie years ago oh. about the Jews in the Warsaw Ghetto. We're going to get back to that. I just want to uh, – I know uh, I'm so ADD and I went off, no, but I will I get think, back to it. I will get I back. don't think – I think trauma's in our DNA. I don't think it's the same. I mean, right. No, no, no. So it's – so, no, it's, it's not the no. same, but we have trauma as Jews too, but not at all like the slaves that ha- that no. they brought from – that they turned into – human beings that they turned into slaves from Africa that have that deep, deep trauma – now that were seen as property yeah. in in American culture for centuries. Yeah. Can you imagine? And that hasn't gone away, right? That's now transmogrified into currently the the, the constant tropes of black women being easy or she's gotta have it or she yeah. wants it or hypersexualized. Yeah. Like those are all the myths, right? right? So that goes against black women, right? The third thing that goes against black women is it's as we saw with Black Lives Matter, you know, Black Lives Matter has raised to the public's consciousness in a way that you know, we've never had before, but you can't just go to the police as a black person, right? I mean, 
it's it's not necessarily that they're going to be on your side. It's 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 a terrifying prospect. So can you imagine as a black woman as a survivor? And it's hard as a survivor to go to the police. As a black woman, they don't go care. To, they don't like you're going to be protected no. or not putting yourself in jeopardy once again. No. And the fourth thing, which is sort of the primal theme of our movie, is which most white people don't reflect on is it's extremely hard and sad and, and torturous for black women to come forward if their if their assailant is black. Yes. Because then they're part and parcel to a they're they're they don't want to be putting uh, they know how racist our culture is and how black men have also been hyper hyper mythologized as rapists and predators. And if they come forth and call out a black man for being a predator, they're being part and parcel to a system that has abused and murdered black men, innocent black men, you know, yes. using rape as a justification, you know, a, a, a trumped up rape charge. So can you, it's like, it's mind boggling, right? The, the quadruple bind, or, you know, that our film talks about is all of these layers that are on top of it. It's just incredible you know and then these women have to sort of grapple with that and unpack it and figure out well how do i get hurt how do i not harbor this secret how do i come forward and not feel like i'm betraying my people and so that's what that this this film really digs into and and tries to grapple with and tries to sort of illuminate for the people that are uninformed and also empower for the people who have struggled with this for so long and want it finally to be out heard and, and thought about so it's on hbo right it's on HBO Max. HBO, well, that's the big channel now. Now it is. <laughs> it's become it's become the thing. It's the HBO Max. It, like good, yeah, good for you. Yeah. Um, and you can get HBO Max. It's free. Like you can sign up for a free thing. And when you get HBO Max, you get all of HBO as well. So it's really good. And so just you can just sign up as a trial. And if you have heard this and are moved, please go and just click and watch on the record because. The more people that watch it, that's a political act. I really want people to understand that. It's Then you will get these um, platforms to put more money into these kind of films if they see that there's a market for it. So it's really actually important. Um, not only is it important because I think it's a great film and a moving film and these women, you will not, you won't see anything like it and you will be so moved, I promise. But it also is important because it lets these streamers know that, people want these stories need to be told and we are here to like we are here we're showing up for them you you have a partner in your filmmaking so you I do and that's kirby kirby dick right and kirby and how did you guys meet how did the two of you meet to do this together because you make all your films together right we do and that goes back to a you story this is so crazy which you won't, this is really funny and weird. So now you're going to think I'm stalking you. So I was in grad school. I was obsessed not only with you and Madonna, but also with a French philosopher named Jacques Derrida. Derrida coined the term deconstruction. That's what most people mm -hmm. know. You don't know anything. If you heard the deconstructionists. word deconstructionists. Yes. <laughs> deconstruction, which is sort of like close reading, looking at things, you know, in a yeah. complicated way at, how interpretation isn't always to be taken at face value and everything has sort of an ideological, um, implicit ideological, uh, what is the word? Can't think of the word. Um, nothing is innocent, I guess. Everything has sort of a, everything is loaded in a certain way and to be sort of read and unpacked. Anyways, that's sort of bad bad rudimentary Derrida. But anyway, so I was working with him at, and, and in grad school and I was obsessed with Where him. Where was the grad school? At Yale. Yo, you're at Yale. Okay, great. I was at Yale. I was doing a PhD in Complet. And 
I, I went up to him and said, you know, your work is so important and, you know, we really should, are, would you ever want, can I just interview you? Can we just do some kind of, you know, documentary documenting you? And he was really actually um, very rigorous and he said, absolutely not. That would bastardize what I do. You know, it's important to read me. People don't need to see me. And at this time in his life, there had been no photographs and no video taken of him. And he was really very rigorous. It was, you know, the antithesis of the selfie movement. You know, this guy yeah. was like about the work and reading the work. And and I said to him, look, I get it. But if like there was a film on Nietzsche or Heidegger or Socrates or Plato, and we could watch that, wouldn't you watch it? And he was like, yes. And I said, well, you're that for the 20th century. Like, you know, and you owe it to all of us and don't do that. So he like rejected me and rejected me. And then after two years of my hounding him, he finally sent me a postcard and said, okay, I'll do it. And the reason I'm going this long detour is that I then, I knew nothing about film. Remember, I only liked, I was really esoteric. I didn't, I read books. I wasn't a filmy. But now I had this guy's permission and it was kind of a really big deal. So I called a girlfriend since I'm from LA and I said, Darian, I said, I can make a movie on him. I have no idea what I'm doing. And she's like, well, when you're in LA next, there's this guy in Silver Lake. And I know he's making a movie with a friend of mine who's an editor. She was an editor. My girlfriend, Debbie Zeitman, was an editor on Dead Poet Society. Oh. And she was working with, Do she's friends with Dodie Dorn, who now is like huge. I mean, she did Memento. She's like a big deal editor. And she says, Dodie's editing something with this guy, Kirby. Maybe you should meet him. Like he's supposed to be a really interesting filmmaker. <laughs> Why you're part of this is I remember I went out to LA. It was like Christmas break or something. And someone who knew you, Howard Kushner or something. Oh yeah. Invited me to go. You and Madonna were going to some nightclub in Silver Lake. Oh, funny. Yes. <gasps> and so I have this vivid memory of you. You know how you remember That's celebrities? So funny. Like, and Madonna was spinning. It was some, I don't even know what the name of it was or anything at night. And I was like staring at both of you and all that, you know, blah, blah. but I didn't say anything or anything. But anyway, so that's the parenthetical aside that Rosanna's part of this. But then the next day I met with Kirby and Silver Lake and <laughs> he had heard of Derrida and said, oh my God, that's fascinating. I can't believe you got his approval. And then, you know, he's, I, I saw a film he had been making called Sick, which was brilliant. And like, like, I mean, Derrida is also about subverting hierarchies, you know, and sort of, and, and he made this film about um, a, 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 a person with cystic fibrosis who became an artist. And you know how cystic fibrosis is so painful and you're out of control. Mm. So his art was to become a masochist to self-inflict pain so that he controlled the affliction in some way or felt he could master it. I know. If this, Not, and it yeah. was a beautiful poetic film. And what I loved about it is it subverted our usual, um, you know, our, our usual judgment or pejorative understanding of masochism and sadism and S&M and bondage. And it was this, and I thought, wow, that's beautiful. It was just beautiful and poetic and sort of this elegy, you know, originally about death and pain and art. And so I thought, oh, well, he's, it's incredibly sophisticated and smart. And so we ended up doing Derrida together. It ended up actually doing well. I have to see time. it because I have not seen that. Oh, you should okay, see it. Okay, I will. I'd love to. And, um, and that's kind of, and then we ended up working on and off together to, to this day. And then our work eventually became much more overtly political. I mean, Derrida is where I got all my feminism and all my politics, but it was more abstract and now it's, it's very hands-on, you know. Um, are you on to new things right now? Are you doing something? Are you, 
Are you doing something? We are. And I have to come back because you're going to die. We can't talk about it. We won't talk about it here. You're going to die and you're going to love it and you're going to go crazy. And it's a big secret. And other people you know are in it who you know and love. And that's all I can tell you. I'm excited for you and I'm excited to to see it. So how, and then we, what, let me tell you what. So, and I don't, can we just, we'll talk about this and then we'll see afterwards if you can use it or not. So what happened was, I interviewed you, and we we've cast this wide net. This right? is after after the Harvey Weinstein story came out. It was it was in the smack in the middle of it. I mean, it was. I remember being so. I I, I think I twice. I talked to you twice. Yeah, you like yes. within six months or something, yeah. right? And you were humming. You were vibrating. It was a big deal. It was. I mean, this was a big deal, yeah. and it was really riveting and heartbreaking to talk to all of you women who were lucky enough. What happened was me too happened and our phones started ringing and people started saying, you know, uh, well, it's actually a funnier story. So since we're in a podcast, I'll take the time. So hunting ground comes out. I'm on the jury at Sundance for some reason, like shortly thereafter, there's a dinner for women at Sundance that I'm invited to. And they happened to sit me next to, and I think it was honestly total accident, Rose McGowan. And at the time, as I said, I didn't know who she was. I don't know celebrities and I don't follow movies except for you. So we're sitting next to each other at the dinner. We introduce ourselves. I say, I did the hunting ground. She goes, I'm Rose McGowan. She goes, oh my God, have I got a story for you? This is 2016. Am I right? 2016. Yeah. She, at that dinner, tells me all about Harvey. I call Kirby, and he says, oh, my God, maybe we should do something. Will she go on record? She says, absolutely. She says, I'm writing a book. I will talk to you 100%. She had already so, talked to Ronan then. I don't know. Yeah, because it was early 2000. He, he, they'd been talking for, like, a while. Like, but for She didn't mention it. I don't yeah. know. So I was like, cool, great. I called... I think this is okay. I called Jen Newsom. I guess we'll have to check who was a good, good friend, Gavin's wife, because I knew she had a Harvey story that she had never gone public about. She's now gone public. Yeah. Oh, is she going to be one of the six in LA? Oh, wow. Wow. So I said, Jen, did you know about Rose? And she said, Oh my God. She goes, you guys should talk to Ashley called Ashley. So and Ashley was like, I'm all in. Rose is going to talk. I'll fucking talk to you guys. Then we started pitching it around town. And people were like, absolutely not. I shut it down. This will not go anywhere. No one else will speak, blah, blah, blah. And so we said, okay. And I, I don't remember. I mean, I have these text threads with Rose and, and Ashley. I don't remember what happened. And so I said, well, we'll put this on hold. And, you know, we tried to get other people and no one else would speak to us. And I didn't know about you at the time. And that was the end of that. Wow. Me Too happens. My cell phone starts ringing. All the places we pitched it said, remember that Me Too film you ought to make? Go for it now. Like, we'll fund it. Two seconds. It was like crazy. Like, the people who were also terrified before, like, we can't put this on. You know, we'll never live it. We'll never eat lunch in this town again. So that's why I cast this wide net, called everybody you had come out, like called everybody to come out and then put it, we put out, you know, w- the word that will speak to anyone. And that's why I interviewed you at that time. And, 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 and Ashley, did you talk out. to Ronan? We didn't talk to Ronan. Ronan, 
No, we didn't talk to journalists. Okay. We just talked to survivors. Okay. okay. And that's how I met Drew, who ended up so and that's how I met the subject of what's coming out next year that I've got to come back and talk to you about that's gonna blow your mind. So I met all these people and then we started making what we thought was a series. We cut segments. You're in one of the things we cut. And we started, it was then time to pitch it. Right now we had a body of, we'd, we'd interviewed all these amazing people, gotten these incredible interviews and pitched it. The first person that bit was Oprah Winfrey she, it blew her mind. She was like, Oh my God. And I don't I, like, I didn't know her. You know, I, it was, we had to meet her in person because this stuff is so confidential. I said, you know, we can't send you a link, you know, well, we, so we flew out to New York. She said, great. You know, her, uh, the woman who runs her, runs, runs the Harpo division of documentary set up the meeting. We liaised with her. We fly to New York, get in a room with Oprah. It's supposed to be like a 45-minute meeting. I think it went like 90 minutes. Oprah was crying. We showed her the clips. She was blown away. She says, I have a new deal with Apple. I want to do this. This will be my first series. It'll be toxic labor. I'm all in. So we started working in close concert with her and her team to do this incredible series. And we were in in heaven, right? Couldn't get any better. Couldn't script it any better. These voices would be heard. In the course of which we kept working with the material and Drew's material was just mind-blowing. And I would call her and I said, I mean, at some point I called her and I said, I know you really want a series, but can we just show you this footage we put together of this one woman? Because, and I gave her the spiel, I said, because I really think it'll unpack racism in a way and, you know, the quadruple bind that black women are in and just watch it. You can, I, and I'm, I'm a team player. If you say, absolutely not, I want a series, just mush her back in, mush her story back in with all the others. I'm fine. But just look at it because I think there's something there that could be different. And she watched the rough cut in June and called me and said, thank you for making me watch this. You're 100% right. I see it. Let's do it. Let's have this be a film. Maybe it'll be an inaugural film and then the series will come out after, you know, because we had a, a Hollywood thing. And, um, you know, but I want to do this. So we set out to make this movie with Oprah. And in August, it um, we worked in close concert with her team throughout. She gave incredible notes. I love her. It would not be the film it is today without her. Um, you know, she was all in. And, uh, and it was also great for the women because they felt like, oh, we're safe. Yeah, man. We're safe. Like, we can talk about this and... Someone super powerful, probably the most powerful black woman ever, is has our back. Um, she then she and Apple decided that it was strong enough. They wanted to submit to Sundance. Um, Apple did the the Sundance applications. This is why you said why was I so distressed at Sundance? And we were like in heaven, you know, and and everyone, you know, Apple was flying out to Rana and Kimberly and Joan and Drew and everyone was gonna. We all were gonna go to Sundance and. It was all super exciting. And then what happened was Sundance accidentally in the release, you know how they announced their lineup? They put in a photo of Drew and they weren't supposed to. It was just supposed to say expose of the music industry. No. So then he got wind of it. So this is December 3rd or December 4th. That night starts blowing up him and 50 cent like 
and, and lawsuit stuff or what racism no just the pr smearing campaign right. and then we don't know what happened but suddenly you know 10 days before sundance oprah called us and said she didn't want to put keep her name on it and then apple walked and that's why you saw me i was like we had no idea no idea this was traumatizing for the women like here they're scared enough coming public now it's terrible right if the most powerful woman feels like this isn't something she can put her name on like how are they these you no know, people without that kind of clout and then we knew we couldn't back down like you know we called sundance and said we're going forward we're not pulling the release you know the you know we're not going to back down we're not going to blink and so that's what you saw us in the middle of the vortex and I was so grateful cuz I think I called you and asked you to come and yeah I went with Latinx um to with uh, Monica right. Ramirez and stayed with her and was so happy to be able to participate in both so we all went you know exactly. to see the film together and it got a long standing ovation it was very very moving and very important but there had But been- I wonder it's because like Oprah look Oprah exposed Michael Jackson's pedophilia. Like yeah. she, she, she's, yeah. she's walks the walk and talk. So 100%. something, something, and it's scary. It's scary. It's scary because it was like gangsta, man. Something weird yeah. happened because it's, it's terrible. Know. Yeah. And you know, and she's a trauma survivor. So I, I, I yep. whatever she does is the right thing for her to do, you know, exactly. her fear and her, her pain and her, her whatever is very real. So I don't have, ill will it was just or anything and i'm grateful because honestly we wouldn't have made the film without her we wouldn't have felt the audacity to be white filmmakers without making it co-collaboratively you know a a a black film team Uh, and so it you know and so it all how does she feel about it now it's had this huge it's a it's a big success and 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 i know that she was always behind it and she has her her her, I hope, um, I hope stamp on I mean, it, you know, I but no, where I don't, is she at? No, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I would hope that, you know, I know that we're, we're happy that it found a place at HBO max. They're fearless. I mean, for them to step up the way they did for everyone to swoop in for Sundance to stand strong for Joan and Kimberly and all the Shanita and Drew and, and Sherry share. I want to, and, and Salai Abrams. I want to give them all a shout out and all the, other remarkable women in our film who had the courage to speak. I mean, it's really, it's really amazing. It's really amazing. I don't know that I would have that courage, you know, and you showed up um, and there was a, like a whisper campaign against the film. I mean, people didn't know. And, and it was scary because I was, I was, I had a, a lot of women around me at the festival that, you know, were, on the other side of it. And I was, I was trying to understand it was getting really confusing. And I was like, what is happening here? And you just never really got the, the real story, except that, you know, like you said, I think it's true. Um, whatever is right was ever right for Oprah in this arena for herself. It was the right thing for her. And that was, that's all you can do. It's like a respect her. And Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, like what it would have been with Oprah's, uh, Oh my you know, God. Could you imagine? A different story. <laughs> oh my God. Could you imagine? I mean, that was the dream. I thought, Oh, we did it. You know, it's yeah. be, checkmate, you know, we, but you know, we're getting there and, and the film's done super well. Critics have embraced it. Audiences are finding it um, and loving it. I mean, you know, and we have some real beautiful 
testimonies and, you know, and appreciations on Twitter and, um, you know, the universe. So it's good. So has it gone to Europe yet? I don't think so. I know that we have a European distributor, but I don't know that anything's signed yet. It will. I think it'll do really well there too. It's so important. So what, how have you been doing? Tell me like, I mean, this is like, it is cliche. We all say it, but what was that? Yesterday was a, we were watching a gala of equality now and they were talking about the cliche of COVID. So how are you been getting through the COVID? But it's true. It is cliche, but how have you been getting through, how have you been getting through this time? It's been hard, you know, it's been hard and I have nothing, you know, I mean, I have an embarrassment of riches and blessings and I'm having a hard time. So it's just been hard, you know, and having to go through that election in this isolated oh. way, right? I mean, there we was should, we should I, have invested in sleeping pills. I mean, oh, like, I got it. I mean, Amy, there. I had that week of the counting. You know, the the counting. We're still, you know, he still hasn't acknowledged it, but uh, there was three days where at one point, like Todd was very worried about me. I literally, like, I was so anxious. I. I was anxious to the point where my body went into, yeah. I'm having a panic attack. I mean, yeah. this is what a panic attack is having. And my husband Todd was like, okay, you're having a panic attack. I said, I, it was so bad. Like, I can't take this anymore. We, are we moving out of, are we refugees out of this country? Like we cannot let this happen. And then when he, you know, when we knew, like, you know, they didn't acknowledge it yet, but we knew that he actually had the vote and won a Biden I cried so hard and, and no, Biden wasn't my first guy, but I have grown to love this man. (laughs) I think he's, I think right now he's like right now for what he's doing for America and trying to bring everybody together. I love Kamala. I love Kamala Harris and I'm excited about this so much. And they put together a, a real team and, you know, I'm definitely have always been a lefty, but in order for us to heal, we do all have to, as much as we can come to this place to be able to do that. I, I don't know how you align with white supremacists that, that I, 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 I don't, that's just not in the cards for uh, a democracy or for human life to sustain. <laughs> so as far as I'm concerned, but, but we live, we, we live a, in a, we do live in a, our own little bubble and that's like, and I, I, every day I'm grateful and I, I feel, Oh, I do everything I can to help somebody in a day, you know, um, it's just overwhelming how much and how many people are in pain and suffering. The, the rise of domestic violence is worse than ever. If you talk to Dr. Astrid Hagar, violence intervention program, she will tell you it's worse than ever. The, as in the New York times today, the online porn predator behavior of pedophilia on children worse than ever. It's just enough. And, and, um, so all we can do is, is, uh, we got to figure this out. I'm, you know, that the vaccine, you know, all that, I, I, when that there's something safe for everybody to do, I hopefully, I don't know. I'm, I'm all afraid of all that stuff too, but I'm going to do what it takes to. No, there's, there's very, vaccines are, there's very, very safe vaccines. You don't have to be afraid of these. I, I think that the, the, yeah, for me, the, I, I feel good with the, this Nigerian scientist, the Pfizer, maybe it might be the the right one 
for me anyway, if I do it. There's a lot of eyes on these. It's radical breakthroughs in the technology. I mean, you'll get, you'll get vaccine experts to talk about it much more, but I've done actually a lot of research. I'm, I'm feeling good. I mean, yeah. I'm, are you? That's the silver lining. Yeah. I mean, we are so lucky that they came up with this and that's 95% effective. I mean, I mean, it's, it's still going to be a big road. I mean, it's still a long road ahead of us, but that is one thing to be grateful for. That I didn't, I wasn't sure. Oh. So are you in the middle, you're in the middle of editing that, uh, uh, the thing that you were talking about? Yeah. And the thing oh. I can talk about is we're also, and maybe actually you, you or your listeners, we're doing an expose for HBO Max on, I wonder if I can talk about this. I think I can. On the cosmetics industry. Called well, Nazi call me and let me know, uh, you know, cause we're not going right now. So, so let me know if you can't, we'll cut it. Oh, okay. It's called not so pretty. And it's for HBO Max. Um, and, uh, it's on the cosmetics industry. So really? It, yeah, it's about all the stuff that we put on our bodies and in our hair that we should that had co- toxic and give cancer to our and give us uh, breast cancer. And that's yeah, and that's covered up and it's and yeah, and hurts our environment and and it doesn't you know there's plenty of other things we could be doing and using. So it's needless. It's just incredible. Oh, this is great. Yeah. So that's good. To did you what did you think of the um? Wow. I just started it. It seems fascinating. You know, I, I like Jahan and Kareem a lot. So I want to also watch Cecilia Peck made another made one that people are saying is amazing. I want to watch them both. All right, honey. Well, I send you so much love and um, you love. let me know. Let me know. And I'm, I'm, I'm available when you want to next time you want to do a thing and, interview and, and then with the next movie, we'll come back. Hopefully I'll be here and you'll come back. <laughs> oh, and I didn't tell you, but what happened was when she walked from on the record, that whole series died that you were in. Remember you said what happened to my interview? Oh, yes. Do you own the footage? We got it back. So we're trying to figure out what to do. Yeah. Oh, maybe HBO Max will do it. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. So that could, it could be, be great. Continued. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember being incredibly raw both times, but di- in different, in different periods. And it was like one yeah. was six months later, yeah. but the first time I remember it was the, ugh, yeah, I, 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 it would be interesting to see that and what you do with it. Yeah. Well, you're amazing. Any- Thank you for doing this. You're really, I love you. Don't love you too, hon. Really? I do. And love um, well- by the way, I love your hair. Oh, thank you. It's it's an accident. Huh? I, I went white. Did you saw yeah. me? Do you see the equality now? I was like Cruella Deville. Remember, I was like white. And yes. Then, and then everybody hated it and said, so "I." I loved it. That's why I wanted to call you today. I thought it was amazing. You just changed it today or less. And then and then my guy came over and I said, "I want to go gray," and he wasn't that successful. So it just became it's, blonde. So I'm it's blonde. Bl- it's blonde. Blondes have blonde, but it's blonde, but this is all white and gray. I love it. That's what I'm saying. I love it. I think it's chic. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was great yesterday. So <laughs> that was a year. That was a day ago. <laughs> all right. Bye, honey. Nice bye. to see you. Love you. Bye. Stay love you, too. Safe. you too. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review Radical Musings to help other listeners find the show and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to be alerted every time we post a new episode. Radical Musings is brought to you by Audio Up, produced by Krista Liney and Carla Braun, edited by Jeremiah Zimmerman, production support provided by Ashley Ardent, Sam Winter, Tyler Dorson, Emma Rappold, and Richard Regal. Thank you all so much. Oh, la, la.
Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.